can dispel a few things and show you how war is actually played out. Now, all warfare is based on deception. That is um, rule number one. And that is how you trap your enemies. This is how you lure them to do exactly what you need. See, I had a lot of people ask me, why Tennessee? Well, God knows why Tennessee. I had a lot of people ask me, how is it that, you know, like James O'Keefe is dropping lawsuits and you're not? Well, you know, there were a lot more people working with me. <laughs> but, you know, over a span of over 15 years, <laughs> some people go dead, missing, or get thrown in jail and stuff. So, um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. I'm trying. But I wanted you guys to know last night, as I saw things occur and they were coming up really strong, I was like, all right, so number one, I got to draw attention to this lawsuit against the DOD. So how do I do that? Well, I can do that by exposing someone badly. And that way people can see that through conflict, sometimes you get things come to the surface. Now, it was a matter of time before I actually started, you know, pushing. I, you guys know, I don't really give a shit who gets credit. Obviously, you guys have been working on this. So that pisses me off a lot. And that's 100%. But... Sometimes conflict makes the news. And while people think, oh, look at her, let me just do this. And that way it'll, you don't get it. We needed that to happen. Now, as we have the false flags going around, really try. I'm going to let you in on a, and I need you to follow me on this. All right. As I said, in war, deception is number one. And, you know, in, in kingdoms and armies, there's the people that are head on, the flankers, the sit and wait watchers, right? The infiltrators that then come back to the other side, the jesters that distract and they're like, yeah, there's nothing here. Nah, 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 nah. And they're the ones collecting everything. The ones that do the cartwheels, the ones that bark a lot <laughs> and they never bite. But when they do, holy shit, you don't want to be caught in those jaws. So I can help you understand. I've played this before. I'm going to play this clip again. I can help you understand exactly what's going on here. So you can see, you know, have a little bit more faith. 
distracting yourself from those emails you said you'd get around to doing. And perhaps later you feel guilty for your lack of focus. Well, don't beat yourself up too much. There's a scientific reason for your distractibility. A study carried out by scientists at Princeton University and the University of California, Berkeley, concluded that our brains refocus our attention four times every single second. Well, uh, our brains have limited processing resources, meaning that we can't simultaneously process all the information in our complex environment at the highest level. Instead, the brain has developed a collection of mechanisms that determine which aspects of the envir environment should receive preferential processing. And this collection of mechanisms is referred to as attention. My name is Ian Fiepelkorn. Uh, I'm a neuroscientist at Princeton University. The mechanism of attention that is most often studied is spatial attention, where we boost the processing of a specific location. That's the process our brains go through when we, for example, walk into a room at a party. There's an enormous amount of information in this space. Lots of people, their faces, clothing, where they're standing. The list is endless. We are phenomenally good at processing this data, but not all at once. Our brain sifts this information into levels of importance. What we need to know now, what can wait till later, and what can be dismissed entirely. Spatial attention has often been compared to a spotlight that continuously scans the environment, uh, stopping or pausing to illuminate behaviorally relevant aspects of the environment or locations. The classic view of spatial attention or this metaphorical spotlight uh, is that it, the strength of that spot, spotlight is continuous. However, our work has shown that instead, uh, the spotlight seems to be dimming four times per second. So when we think we're giving something our full attention, we're still distractible almost constantly. And so the question is, why would that be? We've proposed that this dimming of our metaphorical spotlight prevents us from becoming overly focused on any single location in the environment. It provides these windows of opportunity when it's easier to disengage from the presently attended location and shift our attention to another location or aspect of the environment. So basically situational awareness is how they, you know, how we can call it. Now, where am I going to take you? So you guys all know that I live in Ohio. I have standing in the state of Tennessee. Therefore, my Dominion suit was filed in the state of Tennessee. But there are a few things that you don't know about why Tennessee, and maybe I can show you. And it's quite interesting how things work out. So this is an article from 2010 um, that I uh, pulled up for people to watch. So the, uh, the format's a little bit. Mm. So... Alita Traeger's appointment to the federal judgeship in 1998 made her the first female U.S. district judge in Middle District of Tennessee. Now she stands to be remembered for something else. The judge who determined the fate of condemned inmate Robert Glencoe set to become the first person in Tennessee executed in 40 years. That was back from 2000. So she's quite qualified, a very uh, staunch judge. Let me let me get into more details about my judge. Just. I think we should go to a video first because then you're going to understand. You're going to see just how multitasking, multi-trapping, and everything works. 
Uh, but obviously none of that works without God. And you're going to see how he put his hand into everything. Matthew uh, DeHart has made certain claims about his involvement in an anonymous. So, for example, he claimed he was running a tour hidden service. And he certainly, from what I've seen, has the technical capacities and ideological commitments to be running such a service. He also claims that he was involved in the making of the first anonymous video for Project Chinology, the project that was protesting the Church of Scientology. And he does have information uh, that no one else would have except for the people who were involved at the time. It was a small group of eight people and many of them were acting anonymously. So they didn't know who um, the other person was and he holds very specific information that only people who were uh, making the video that night would know. So given these details, it does seem credible that he was involved definitely in some capacity with Anonymous in its early stages, at least. All right. So let's go take a look at who Matt is, because Matt was actually convicted by my judge. But we're going to get you're going to have your you're going to see what's up. So Matt was born in 1984, entered as U.S. National Guard intelligence analyst, and a year later he's out for whatever reason. They actually saw his activism, they say, and, you know, um, decided, hey, take a lump sum and go or get honorably discharged, one of the two. That seems really weird. I mean, we have to ask him if that's exactly what happened. But anyway, I just want you guys to know that this guy was, um, I'll tell you what, what had happened. So DeHart was involved in online activities with a small group, Anonymous Anti-Security, using the anonymity network Tor. As part of these activities, DeHart ran a dead drop server named The Shell on a computer in his bedroom. In September 2009, while monitoring the server, DeHart claims to have found an unencrypted folder containing hundreds of documents, including one detailing what looked like the FBI investigation into some particularly shady deeds by the CIA. He deleted the unencrypted folder from the server, but claims to have kept screenshots. Shortly afterwards, he claims to have found an encrypted version of the same file placed on another hidden server he believes was meant for WikiLeaks. DeHart also claims a document dropped onto his Tor server included details of the FBI's investigation into the CIA's possible role in the anthrax attack. Right. Just remember that. On January 22nd, 2010, the state of Indiana issued a search warrant for the DeHart's home in Newburgh in with express purpose of searching for child pornography. The search was executed on January 25th, seizing DeHart's computers and every data storage capable device that could be found. However, two encrypted iron key USB devices with the sensitive server data were stored in the family gun case at the time and were overlooked. DeHart suggests that the drive may have also contained documents from his former military unit. During the forensic analysis of the evidence seized, officers stated no child pornography was found. Details of investigation reported in Newsweek, May 20, 2015, by an article, blah, blah, blah. So following these seizures, DeHart drove to Mexico, where he mailed one drive to a contact in the United Kingdom and another to a contact in the United States. 
Shortly after, he would travel with his father to the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C. to seek asylum. His request was denied. In March 2010, DeHart applied for a U.S. updated passport, which he got in less than a month. The following month, on April, uh, in April 2010, DeHart moved to Montreal, Quebec, in Canada, and started an eight-week French immersion course uh, with ILC Montreal, um, staying at a home with other international students. DeHart planned on taking a welding class at Holland College in Prince Edward Island, and his, pattern, his parents had settled him into a studio apartment in Charlottetown near the campus. So while applying for a student visa at U.S. Border Patrol office and after handing over his U.S. passport, DeHart was arrested and taken into custody by FBI agents. U.S. authorities contacted police in Charlottetown asking for a studio apartment to be searched as part of a child pornography investigation. The material seized from DeHart's apartment was not sent to Tennessee, but to the FBI's field office in Washington, D.C., the U.S. Department of Justice. DeHart was placed in a cell at Calais' large International Avenue Immigration and Customs Enforcement Detention Center for questioning. He claims he was drugged and describes the treatment he received as torture. He was taken unconscious in an ambulance from Penabas County Jail, Bangor, Maine, to the Eastern Maine Medical Center before 1 a.m. on August 7th. The records from the Eastern Maine Medical Center show he was diagnosed with eye pain and a psychotic break. He was released in guarded condition, uh, to unnamed officials and was sent back to the jail. He was then further interrogated by the FBI that same day while suffering from a psychotic break. The results of that interrogation are classified. He was questioned about his military unit, Russian embassy, anonymous, and WikiLeaks. They started with people in my military unit, what the connection was between them, me, the Russian embassy, and then started asking me about connections between people in the military unit and anonymous. They also asked about WikiLeaks. That's what he said. Later, DeHart was transferred and kept in segregation at the Penobscot County Jail in Bangor, Maine, until his first hearing, habeas corpus hearing. Uh, he was incommunicado. Hmm. On August 10, 2010, DeHart was brought before a U.S. court judge, Margaret Kravchuk, who branded his court appearance that day as odd. On August 18, 2010, DeHart signed consent forms, such as permission for the FBI agent and any Canadian law enforcement to record his calls with his old military colleagues, and authorized agents to assume his online identity, giving the FBI his aliases and passwords to his email accounts. Among the accounts was a Hushmail account in the, same, in the name of Fox. DeHart was then transferred to Tennessee, where he spent 21 months in jail allegedly because of child pornography charges, which they never found, by the way. In May 2012, Judge Alita Traeger, who was allowed to read classified documents about DeHart and heard the evidence on child pornography charges, ordered DeHart released with curfew monitored by an ankle bracelet pending trial. Judge Traeger said in a ruling, he thought that the search for child pornography was really a ruse to try to get the proof about his extracurricular national security issues. I found him credible on that issue. Obviously, child pornography charges are serious offenses. I've learned several aspects of this case, which in the court's mind indicate the weight of evidence is not as firm as I thought it was. Now, I'm going to remind you that when Millie Weaver and Gavin were arrested, first of all, they were at a private jail. <laughs> 
in Ohio, right? Just a little out. It's outside of Youngstown. You guys know, you know, right? All right. So that's number one. Number two, while she was in jail, they sent child pornography, actual child pornography to her prosecutor as if she sent it. So that meant that the people that um, sent it didn't know that she was still in. They thought that she was out. Now, child pornography is something that we see all the time. There was a guy that decided to stop working for Alex Jones, and he's in jail forever. While the guy was arrested, he was supposedly still collecting child pornography. Just so you guys understand how the military-industrial complex works. They either have a ticking time bomb, hoping that they can lure you into evil, or they plant it. So the judge was like, yo, this sounds shady because there's not real child pornography. And I agree with him that he's being lured. But then something totally changed. No indecent videos were found on DeHart's computer seized in January 2010. Allegations were from an officer interview. However, they were not sent to Tennessee, but to FBI's field office. Two years after DeHart's arrest in Canada, the U.S. Department of Justice admitted there were classified reports on him, which confirmed he was arrested for questioning in an espionage matter. It was a national security investigation, but made no mention of pornography. Pay attention. From May 2012 until April 2013, Matt DeHart was on bond living with his parents in a rented duplex in Newburgh, Indiana. His travel was restricted to the U.S. Southern District of Indiana and was monitored with a curfew. He was deported to the U.S. on March 2015 and handed over to FBI agents at Peace Breach Border Crossing. He was housed in Niagara County Jail Lockport, New York, then transferred to correction to the CCA private jail in Northeast Ohio in Youngstown, then transferred to Grady County Jail in Chickasha, Oklahoma, then transferred to another private jail in Mason, Tennessee. On the 23rd of March 2015, he was transferred back again to Warren County Jail, Bowling Green, Kentucky, where he had spent 21 months in pre-trial detention. He will remain there until the disposition of the U.S. case against him. On the 11th of June, 2015, an anonymous group arranged for supporters to send him gifts for his birthday in prison. On November 13th, 2015, in Tennessee, DeHart pleaded guilty to two charges of receiving child pornography and a charge of failing to appear as ordered in court. You know what that was? That was the blackmail he found on all the other fuckers, and they charged him with that. On February 22nd, 2016, that judge, that's mine, Judge Alita, even though she saw no evidence of child pornography, District Court for Middle District, Tennessee, sentenced him to 72 months for the porn charges and an additional 18 months for fleeing the country. He was released from prison on October 2019. So there's that. So that's Matt. Let me tell you... Um, what Matt did. But before I do, no, you should hear it first. Let's do that. Take a listen. All right. Matt DeHart is an American hacktivist and alleged WikiLeaks courier who was drugged, interrogated, and tortured by the FBI over an espionage matter. Well, at the same time, and to this day, smeared by the U.S. government in order to cover it up. 
Matt was a drone team member in the U.S. military, and he came across documents on his private server pertaining to an investigation into the CIA around an alleged plan to coordinate an anthrax attack on the American people to generate support for the Iraq war. Iraq war or the anthrax vaccine? What have we been talking about? What have we been talking about? Huh, sounds very familiar. Aerosolized anthrax to push the vaccines, but they say to rally up for the Iraq war because the weapons of mass destruction failed. Are you paying attention? So this is a judge who never saw any child pornography and stuck him with those charges because in those encrypted files was a lot of shit about the CIA and how they operate and what they do and how they don't advise our generals and admirals of what's really going on. They just tell them whatever they need to know. And they, they think that they're fighting enemy A when basically they're just helping enemy B take out enemy A. Oh, huh. I have no idea how messed up this is. So distractions. I'm going to take you back in time now. I'm going to take you back in time to 2017. I want you guys to listen to this. Because we're going to have some fun right now. Take you back in time. Our military is, as you know, uh, over there right now and doing really an incredible job, more of leadership than fighting. We're leading a lot of wonderful Afghan troops who are fighting very hard. We were just discussing that. And the great progress is being made. So it's an honor to have you and all of your representatives with us. The cloud of uncertainty has been lifted. But equally important is your commitment to a political solution at the end of this process. What we want to assure the American people is that there's not going to be a, a combat role. You've made that crystal clear. All right. So... um I'm going to, do I do this or do I do that first? I just want to see which way I should have you. Um, let me see. Let me see how I want to take you on this so you understand it better without me saying much. Um, damn it. Where is it? Okay. You guys ready? You ready? This is going to be fun. Okay, I promise. Kick back and enjoy this and understand what I'm telling you. And remember what I said about distractions. Okay, and then we're going to go back to some old footage. Okay, okay, here we go. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Dylan, for the record, mentalism. It's never actually been proven to be accurate. Okay. That is to say that it's not a science. It's, it's you know, it's more for entertainment. All right. Just, just don't believe everything the guy says. That's all. Please convey my deepest apologies to your colleague out there. I'm really sorry about this whole Tranny Tuesday thing. I was out of line. Tranny Tuesday. Well, it's an arrangement he and his wife have, or might not have, if you believe everything Agent Fuller is saying to be correct. But isn't there a proud tradition in the FBI of men wearing dresses? No shame, Agent Fuller. No shame. <laughs> Just having fun. Was this your card? No. 
See, I knew you weren't a queen of hearts lady, and I respect that. The trick usually works better when I'm not strapped in here, but I understand protocol. Okay, okay. So, if you had nothing to do with it, then how did the playing card get into the boat? Oh, yes, that would be, uh, yeah, what do the kids call it these days? Oh, yes, that's right, magic. Just answer the question, okay, okay. smart ass. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. You can keep that. Don't share it with him. It says here you are a, a mentalist. Hmm. Well, what exactly is mentalism? Tricks mostly, um, some science, uh, targeted guessing might be a most apt description along with some intuition and the occasional voices in my head. <laughs> Sounds like you're, you're fairly famous at one point. Mm -hmm. you, you can even hypnotize people over the phone. Hmm. Some big tours around the U.S. for a few years, two TV specials, glory days, then you're Brother slash manager disappeared with all your hard-earned money. <clears throat> did you research, did you? IRS audit, back taxes. Yeah, you've had a long, hard slog back into the limelight, haven't you, Mr. McKinney? Yes, indeed it has, and I do appreciate that trip down memory lane. Um, as far as I understand it, when the man from Paris uh, put on the magical helmet, I guess there was Listen some to me. That, yeah. If you didn't rob that bank, then you knew about it. Which makes you an accomplice. So if you want to walk out of here today, I'd suggest you start. Okay, now you listen to me. I'm gonna... Unless you think there's a DA in the state of Nevada who'd be willing to make sense of this to a jury, then we have a show to perform. And you, Agent Rhodes, have a drawing board to get back to. Is this your first date? What? No, I mean, I'm, obviously you guys don't know each other well, if at all, but like there is a palpable tension in this room. And before you get involved, you should consider the fact that she has a lot of big secrets. And I know the first one is that this is your first time off the desk, isn't it? You should have said something to him. This is a weird way for you to find out. You are literally begging to be arrested, you know that? If it means you would actually do it, then yeah, but you won't. Because if you did, it means that you... And the FBI and your, your friends at Interpol actually believe at an institutional level in magic. The press would have a field day. And we'd be even more famous than we already are. And you guys would look like idiots even more than you already are. <laughs> well, no, not you, but him, right? Listen, you have what we in the business like to call nothing up your sleeve. And you know it. Don't draw him in and then dump him because abandonment is a big area for him. Mommy, daddy. You have big daddy issues. Okay, that's enough. I'll tell you what, your average therapist is going to charge you two, three hundred for this session. Me, I'll take a tenner. Okay, later, if you're feeling magnanimous, I'll still take a tenner. You want to know who sat in that chair before you? My boss's murderers and thieves. Oh. And you know who put him there? The guy who's sitting in this chair. So I warn you. I can maintain my resolve much longer than you can maintain that phony arrogance. And the instant that you even show the slightest crack in that smug facade, I'll be there. I will be all over you like... Like white on rice? Sorry, that's unfair. Let me warn you. I want you to follow. Because no matter what you think you might know, we will always be one step, three steps, seven steps ahead of you. And just when you think you're catching up, that's when we'll be right behind you. And at no time will you be anywhere other than exactly where I want you to be. So come close. Get get all over me, because the closer you think you are, the less you'll actually see. I'm going to nail you. Something wrong with that soda, miss? First rule of magic, always be the smartest guy in the room.
optics, distractions. I mean, does anybody believe in time travel? You use things you know to your advantage always, always. So let's go to that trip down memory lane quickly. And um, it's going to be quite fascinating. Hold on. Let's see. Where is this? Because there's some really good. President Trump surprise. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I need to get that. Oops. You wait. And speaking of the. Okay, there we go. So you guys ready? Now we're going to see how you saw it, but you didn't. I hope that helps. Please pay attention. In Afghanistan, at Bagram Airfield, north of Kabul, Mr. Trump met with several hundred American troops, served a traditional Thanksgiving dinner to many, and met with Afghan President Ashraf Ghani. President Trump also said he had restarted peace talks with the Taliban, talks which he cut off in early September. For more on this, I'm joined by our own John Yang here in the studio. Good to see you, John. Let's talk about what the president said. Restarting the peace talks, where do they stand? Well, it's interesting, Amna. Uh, administration officials tell PBS uh, NewsHour that this trip was never intended to be about uh, talking about the peace talks. As Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary, told reporters in Air Force One on the way over, this was simply meant to be a show of support for the troops, a holiday greeting, a traditional oh, thing that? for presidents to do. That's but right. okay. as so often <laughs> is the case, Damn. President Trump had different ideas when he sat down with Afghan President Ashraf Ghani. We've been wanting to make a deal, and so have the Taliban. And we pulled back. Uh, we were getting close, and we pulled back. We didn't want to do it because of what they did. It was not a good. It's not a good thing they did with uh, killing a soldier. I don't know if they knew he was a soldier, but he was a soldier, an American soldier. They want to make a deal. So we'll see what happens. If they make it, fine. If they don't make it, that's fine. Uh, we're going to be able to do everything we're doing and actually more. And at the same time, we're bringing down the number of troops substantially. And uh, we'll be down at a number that's very, that's a good number. And we're going to stay until such time as uh, we have a deal or we have total victory. Now, these talks have been going on, we're being told, for about three weeks now. They're at, a, at what they call an informal level. Uh, and they're not starting at scratch. They're starting essentially with the proposed agreement that was offered to President Trump in September when he stopped the talks. You remember, mm -hmm. he went on Twitter, blew up talks that were scheduled for Camp David. Uh, Zalme Khalilzad, the uh, U.S. envoy and his counterparts, are reviewing that proposal, and that's what the process that's going on now. He's been in the region for three weeks in Pakistan and Qatar uh, and uh, holding these talks with Taliban officials. So the talks are continuing, in other words. Exactly. Let's mention something else that he said that caught a lot of people's attention. It was about the U.S. troop presence in Afghanistan. He said, President Trump, that is, that he would like to bring that number down to 8,600. It was a very specific number. We should say the pretense for the peace talks was to try to get that number down to zero. So where did that 8,600 number come from? Zero, of course, is the number he promised in the 2016 campaign. That number, 8,600, the troop levels now are about 13,000. 8,600 is the number that uh, General Scott Miller, the U.S. commander of troops in Afghanistan, says that he can carry out a mission of supporting Afghan troops, training Afghan troops, and carrying out counterterrorism efforts with that level of about 8,600. Uh, it's interesting, and when he was talking to reporters, the president said, I was asked about what level he wanted. And he said, well, I don't think I want to tell you that level. I don't want to tell you what we're planning. What do I want to do? 
a reporter asked him, is it 8,600? He said, yeah. Okay, so confirmed and moving on then. I do want to ask you about something else you mentioned, which is this is something of a tradition, right, for U.S. presidents to visit U.S. troops deployed around the world on Thanksgiving. Is it particularly significant for President Trump right now in his presidency? It's only his second trip uh, to a war zone. He was in Iraq last Christmas and now in Afghanistan this Thanksgiving. It is, remember, the beginning of a campaign season. He campaigned on being fully out of Afghanistan by the uh, by next year, by the election. Uh, promises made, promises kept is something we're likely to hear a lot about over the next year. And also, it's a, it was a chance for him to be on the world stage as commander-in-chief, seen with the troops, going into a week when the House Judiciary Committee is holding its first impeachment hearing. John Yang with the latest for us. Happy Thanksgiving, right? John. So Millie was there. This is so awesome. So, um... I think we should go to, we won't go to the Senate hearing yet. We'll go to this because it's so weird. Seems like they figured out that someone was a few steps ahead because Forbes played this. Thank you so much, everybody. Before we begin, I'd like to congratulate all of those incredible people that have worked for so long on our Endless war in Afghanistan, 19 years, going on 20 years. And there hasn't been a moment like this. We've had uh, very successful negotiations. We think they'll be successful in the end. The other side's tired of war. Everybody's tired of war. That's been a particularly long and gruesome one. And I want to congratulate President Ghani and the people of Afghanistan. I want to remember all of the people, all of the great, great men and women that have lost their lives in the war and to their parents and wives and husbands and families, brothers and sisters. It's a great, great people. Many lives over such a long period of time have been lost. I want to thank our wounded warriors, people that are still bearing pain and all of the problems that they've had to go through. And, uh, they're incredible people, incredible spirit. I'd go to Walter Reed and see them so often and the spirit they had, they wanted to go back. Despite their wounds, they always said, I want to go back. Uh, wounded warriors, they're incredible people. I guess most of all, I want to thank all of the people in the United States for uh, having spent so much in terms of blood, in terms of treasure and treasury, uh, the money that has been spent, the lives that have been lost. And we just signed an agreement that puts us in a position to get it done, bring us down to in the vicinity of 8,000 troops. The United Nations was uh, informed of everything. And NATO has been uh, great. Secretary Stoltenberg has been fantastic. And I want to thank uh, the United Nations for the help they gave. And I also want to thank and congratulate Secretary Stoltenberg of NATO. 29 countries, 
involved and all approving, all very happy with what's going on. Uh, I want to also thank and congratulate Secretary of State Pompeo and Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. And I'll be meeting personally with Taliban leaders in the not too distant future. And we'll be very much hoping that they will be doing what they say they're going to be doing. They will be killing terrorists. They will be killing some very bad people. They will keep that fight going. We've had tremendous success in Afghanistan in the killing of terrorists, but it's time after all these years to go and to bring our people back home. We want to bring our people back home. And uh, again, it's been it's been a long journey in Afghanistan, in particular. It's been a very long journey. It's been a it's been a hard journey for everybody. We're very largely a law enforcement group, and that's not what our soldiers are all about. They're fighters. They're the greatest fighters in the world. As you know, we've destroyed in Syria and Iraq 100% of the ISIS caliphate. 100%. We have thousands of prisoners. We've killed ISIS fighters by the thousands. And likewise in Afghanistan. But now it's time for somebody else to do that work. And that'll be the Taliban. And it could be surrounding countries. There are many countries that surround Afghanistan that can help. We're 8,000 miles away. So we'll be bringing it down to 8,000 to approximately 8,600 in that vicinity. And then we'll make our final decision uh, some point in the fairly near future. But this was a uh, very uh, spirited agreement. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of everything. They've been trying to get this for many years and just... It's time. So I just want to thank everybody. I want to congratulate everybody. So I just want to tell you, I've just zapped you into 2020. In February 2020, President Trump announced the signing of a peace agreement with the Taliban, an effort to bring American troops home and leave Afghanistan after decades of war. Now you see me. Now you don't. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Super interesting. It's almost like you're robbing a bank in another country and nobody can see that you did it. Kind of like that movie. So weird. But I think it's important you remember, where is it? That one. Where is that one? I'm looking for, there we go. Take a listen. Announcement tweeting, he canceled secret peace talks with Taliban leaders at Camp David. The president saying he called off the talks set for today after an American soldier was killed in a Taliban attack in Afghanistan. Democrats and some Republicans criticizing the White House for the time and place of the meeting, especially just days before 9-11. ABC's David Wright is at the White House. Tonight, the White House had hoped to surprise the world with the Taliban at Camp David signing a peace deal. As President Trump tweeted Saturday night, unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major Taliban leaders and, separately, the president of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with me at Camp David. 
But the president canceled the secret summit after Thursday's suicide bombing at a Kabul checkpoint, killing a dozen people, including one U.S. soldier. Sergeant First Class Ellis Angel Barreto Ortiz was the 16th American killed there this year. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo greeted his remains at Dover Air Force Base. The Taliban overreached. Uh, they killed an American in an effort to gain leverage at the negotiating table. And President Trump said enough. Today, the Taliban blamed Trump for the breakdown, insisting this will harm America more than anyone else. The idea of inviting the Taliban to Camp David days before September 11th stunned members of both parties. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney tweeted, Camp David is where America's leaders met to plan our response. After Why would it be? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So he was having a secret meeting and all of a sudden an American soldier was killed and somebody said, oh, it's, uh, you know, against America. And then Liz Cheney stupid bitch she turns around and says oh my gosh 9-11 when the taliban had absolutely zero to do with 9-11 right osama bin laden was never in afghanistan they didn't want him they wouldn't take him anyone telling you different is a freaking liar so here they are so wait a minute did they actually kill that soldier to stop the meeting kind of sounds like they did but the peace deal was still done under the radar right before COVID went nuts. After 9-11, no member of the Taliban should set foot there. Democratic presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg said this. I'm also puzzled by the idea that you would invite uh, the Taliban to the United States on the eve of the 9-11 anniversary. 14,000 U.S. troops remain in Afghanistan, more than when President Trump took office. He's made no secret of his hope to withdraw them. We'd like to bring a, a big portion of them home. So we're talking to the Taliban. We're talking to the government. We'll see what happens. The president had talked about bringing 5,000 U.S. service members home. He wanted to 86 that, right? He wanted to 86 that. That's basically it. Right now you see it. Now you don't. That's kind of how it goes. So how do you get things done, right, uh, in the best way? Well, okay, let's see. I think the best clip would be this one. It's another little movie clip. Just um, think about it for a second. While you're watching it, think. Taliban, secret meetings, peace deals. You forgot about the peace deal. They blew up a peace deal, but it still happened. And then all of this just happens instantly. And General Milley, an amazing general, who you saw in Afghanistan, right? Flanking all of them. So he's like, oh, I didn't expect it. It was so quick. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, we want to talk to you about your privacy. Uh, what does your privacy mean to you? Because apparently to own case, it means absolutely nothing. No, actually, it means less than absolutely nothing. You see, he's mocked your privacy. He's scorned it. Right. And we're not just talking about the things that you already agreed to. When you signed, uh, probably without reading, um, the terms and conditions of octaves one through seven. <laughs> Still, FBI is here. All right, all right, don't worry about it. All right, go to plan C4. Lock the doors. Hey, boss, I'm glad you're here. Don't. 
Yeah, guys, look, we got to move around. Get it through the back. These horsemen are tricky, okay? They got backup plans on top of backup plans. Hey, sorry, I don't mean to gloat, but I told you Cut so. Cut the bullshit, Rhodes. We got an anonymous. So just as people are trying to make something good happen, some weird shit just comes in the middle and fucks it all up. On this phone call an hour ago, confirms everything I've been telling her. What are you talking about? You said about? agents to Detroit and Philadelphia. You've been crying wolf so we wouldn't send them here? Boss, please. Keep working on the please doors. Please tell me that you haven't bought into Cowan's crazy paranoid fantasia. Before we start the show, we had Owen agree to a few terms and conditions of our own. So everything that he had once considered private, that he thinks is uh, really private. Yeah, everything... Uh, that he once considered private is now actually owned by. As the horsemen like to say, magic is about controlling perception. This person These doesn't exist. Champions of the truth, but are they, or is that just another one of their illusions? What's going on, Rose? I, this is this is crazy. We got to get everyone to the other entrance. Let's go to the back. No, you stay here. So since they clearly love secrets, let's reveal some of theirs. Danny, everyone get off the stage. Abort. Abort. Jack, go with them. I'll see you at the meeting point. Let's go. Do you recall the death of Jack Wilder? What if I told you he's not just alive, but he's actually right here? Do you know who else is here? The FBI. Let's let them in, shall we? And now for the big reveal. Move, move! To the stage! There's a fifth horseman, and he's the biggest criminal of them all. FBI agent Dylan Rhodes. I knew it. What? This is so much deeper than you know, boss. You think you're looking at one thing, but you have no idea. Who are you? Same man I've always been. Boys, I'm sorry. All right, so now let's go to some interesting stuff. So you learned about my judge. You learned about the case that she followed. You learned about the Taliban having a meeting, secret meeting that was sabotaged, but it still happened, and then another happened. And now you're going to hear about something else. And you're going to be like, wait a minute. But it's all going to make sweet sense to you. And then you're probably going to have to watch this again or listen to it again uh, when it's uploaded by my amazing archivist. Um, but I want you to... Um, you, you heard what the charges were against Matt, right? And stuff like that. Okay, so now... Here we go. Take a listen carefully. Convert them to my Ethereum account immediately. And I'm going to convert that to something else. And pretty soon, you can't trace it. You will never find it. And you will never recover it. Now, has that been happening? I don't know. If it hasn't, I would certainly be surprised. But I promise you this. Just like a massive hack of, of an exchange or the Dow... There will come one day where simultaneously everybody's wallets is emptied. Now, then that will make the news. But by then what? It's too late. 
because it's always too late when we find out about a hack. The Office of Personnel Management in America was hacked in 2015 by somebody who took the records of 23 million employees of every employee of the U.S. government for the past 50 years, including all of our top secret cleared employees. The hack began in 2013. Oops. It was discovered in 2015. This Oops. is the problem. And so why am I even into the Bitcoin arena? Number one, because I see where, where alt currencies are going. Cryptocurrencies are here to stay. They will not go away. It is Pandora's box for good or ill. You will not shove this back in the box. It does not matter what governments want to do. And we all know what they want to do, number one, is collect taxes. Well, that's really hard in the Bitcoin arena, isn't it? Very difficult to do. And in some other currencies, even more difficult. But governments will have to bite the bullet eventually because you cannot suppress it. It is like trying to suppress drinking alcohol. No matter how illegal you want to make it, people will drink alcohol or smoke weed or whatever it is they want to do. And now that the box has been opened and we are using it, it will not go away. So it's here. It's here to stay. And I know that. And I see that it will become, if not Bitcoin, it will be some alt currency that will become the standard for the world at some point. And I believe that will be at some point in the near future. In its current state, we will have chaos, absolute chaos. Not because we don't understand it or we can't understand the math or it's not adopted properly, no. Because there is no security whatsoever. I started a, a very small mining pool in the state of Washington, um, right next to a hydroelectric dam uh, through my company, MGT. Uh, it's a very state-of-the-art facility. It's very small. We have 400 S9s currently. We will be upping that many times. So currently we're at about five petahash. And um, why did I do that? Because mining is the record keeping of Bitcoin. It is the backbone. It is not just a thing which spits out Bitcoins. It is what? the thing which keeps a tally and lets the math of this process unfold securely. So we have to have mining. Now, Bitcoin miners, are, you know, you think perhaps you are immune to hacking because you're a miner? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not, especially when we're talking about Bitcoin. So... He explained to you about a massive hack, totally random. Let's get to see that massive hack again. Please sit back and enjoy your next audio session with a walkthrough. Welcome everyone to a special segment of uh, Tori Says. I have an article that I'm that I'm just publishing that um, I want to walk you guys through because I want to show you a timeline. Uh, the article's name is Breaking FBI Paid CrowdStrike for DNC Server Work. Yes, the FBI had paid CrowdStrike. I found the receipt number. It's PIDDDJF1512000 PAPA0076490. Here is uh, the receipt. The link is there, so you can go see it on the federal database. They had hired CrowdStrike. They hired CrowdStrike um, on July uh, on July 
um, 8th, 2015, and payment was released on July 7, 2016. That's only two days after FBI Director Comey exonerated Hillary Clinton. Now, the one question that we all ask is why the FBI never got their hands on the DNC and RNC servers that were allegedly hacked. I believe it's not a hack because it is the typical MO of the way uh, this fourth unelected branch of government works. Now, in this article, you're going to realize that CrowdStrike was not only partnering with the FBI to help them exonerate Hillary Clinton, their job in that scope of work that they did was to locate um, her emails that were still living on some other server that is of public interest that could be subpoenaed and looked at and to trace back and try to figure out who was the one that had tipped off Congress by evaluating all the information they had. Now, it just so happened that both the DNC and the RNC hired CrowdStrike because of this alleged hack. Now, Think of it this way. If you have a server that's a federal government server, you can't access that server. Let's skip forward to kind of see what McHugh had to say in regards to um, uh, the whole hack with the Office of Personnel. I want you to watch this timeline. T-Director, but... You're going to see where it all started. And this is what they did to hide the truth. Walking you through from 2012, the first thing that should ring an alarm is that Congress received information from an anonymous source that Hillary Clinton was using private emails uh, and server for official use. Benghazi. The reason I see this is I want you to know a lot of people think that in this day and age, there are protections. Now, if we're being monitored, then so are they. But here's the thing. Just because you're able to uh, access information, like, for example, if I was able to access information that showed, uh, you know, criminality, right, by um, individuals within the government, if I did that without permission, without having a need to know, I can go to jail because that's a violation of my oath. But it's, but keep in mind, if I was assigned to go and retrieve information, look at information, parse information, peruse information, and I find evidence of a crime, it is not a crime to report a crime. Now, one might say, well, we have inspector general set up. Stop. We already know how that works. And, you know, nine times out of 10, the people that actually give uh, such information to people in Congress or the Senate or trustworthy generals like, you know, General Flynn or something um, are people who are contractors and are not afforded rights of whistleblowing protection. Uh, Patrick Berge, the creator of ShadowNet, uh, asked for whistleblower protections and he was not afforded them because he was a contractor. And I've spoken about contractors. I've explained to you why they use them. This is how they remove liability from the actions being done. 
Now, in my article, I go on to describe how you yourself can identify uh, certain codes that they use, like the number 130, which means inside job, on a public forum. It's time to take our numbers back, hence why we're doing this on the 19th. So I knew that they had hired CrowdStrike. I've been kind of inching in saying it, but I never had the receipt. So since I found the receipt, God bless America for updating records, I guess. I don't know. I thought I'd talk about it. Now, not only that, if you put that hand in hand with the testimony of the DNC IT director, you'll just see how elaborate their cover-up is. And you can see it through this timeline. Look, the the Congress relieves a tip, reveals uh, receives the tip. Um, no one knew about it though. November, Hillary Clinton changes to a Google server. December, congressional investigators ask her, "Do you use private emails?" Right. So she changed it right before they asked her, so she knew. In March of 2013, Brennan was sworn in as a CIA directors. Then Gawker releases an article saying that some guy On named Guzifer had her emails, and birthday. so. Then we go to March here and Brennan starts to secretly spy on Congress because he wants to find out who this person is, right? So then we go to July and she changes her server again. So then in 2014, and this is important, remember, she changed her server in 2013 again. So all of this is gone because even in Comey's statement that I've linked up in my article, you're going to see that he doesn't talk about before July 2014. So April, Flynn is forced to retire over collections, uh, you know, on all presidential candidates begin. And then the OPM alleged hack that was used to be able to give that all that information and data to uh, General Hayden and General Jones through Clearforce so they can crunch it out and see who may or may not have been responsible for this and um, figure it out. But, you know, when it's... Um, so I'm going to stop it there. So as you can see, John clearly told you that they reported about the hack in 2015, but the hack already started in 2013. And that and that evil man, Brennan, was confirmed on my birthday in 2013. But anyway, digress. So a lot of hacking, a lot of information, a lot of stuff. I mean, the CIA was involved in a lot of things. And now... As you can see, step back. Where are we at? Taliban have now taken over Afghanistan. Well, you know, I'm going to sit here and say, why not? They had nothing to do with Osama. Oh, but they have Sharia. Who gives a fuck? They have it in Burma. They have it in Saudi Arabia. They have it. You're going to go tell another country how to act? Why don't you fix your own country? And then you just, you know, do whatever. Okay? We shouldn't be spending billions of dollars to sit there unless there's another reason. But that information should come later. So now it's 2021, right? Our elections were stolen. The Taliban almost instantly, instantly took over, right? Uh, they're telling you that they're killing people. We haven't seen any yet. Those are reports because you also heard reports that a soldier was killed and it's because the Taliban and 9-11, right? Remember all that bullshit? Cause they're still peddling that Osama was in Afghanistan. Pay attention. Cause you don't know if someone died. I could just pull a picture off of this person does not exist.com. I can create records all the way back to a birth certificate and tell you that that dude died. 
I'm just saying. So what you have to do is sit there and funnel through the information, understand your situation. So what have I said so far today? Taliban have just taken control back of Afghanistan, which they were the leading majority political party always. They're actually kind of liberal. I've talked about this before. You know, they're actually liberal, all right? Liberal. So President Trump was having a Camp David secret meeting. Suddenly some dude was killed and they were like, oh, how could you do that? That's so tasteless. Like right by 9-11, loser, leaks. Look who got fired after that. That's what you need to pay attention to. But without getting into all those details, this fucker got fired, right? Let's keep going. He then went to Afghanistan. Millie was right there. They all sat there. They all had Thanksgiving dinner. And then in 2020, the Taliban came to a peace agreement. And now we have a Dominion lawsuit against Dominion putting me under the same judge that convicted Matt DeHart, even though she knew he had no child pornography who has the authorization to see classified information, even though they didn't show her shit, who was a guy who also released information on the CIA. I want you to pay attention. Now, again, why Tennessee? Well, God made it so. This is it. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have to go, I don't know, say you know that you have to be a nurse, right? You're just like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but then when that opportunity rises you're like holy crap is that how it's going to happen this person is going to help me get my lpn and then i'll get into a bsn program and it's just so weird and then it happens it's kind of like hey this lawyer approached me not me the other way happens to be in tennessee super patriot and i'm like oh shoot this is where we come full circle because we can dig up the stuff on matt because in those files, aside from that Iraq stuff, that also John talked about, just saying. Because that came in concert with the hack. You can't go just searching records because you're the CIA. You'll run flags. And you can't crunch all that data through a system. You'll get caught, right? There's a lot of people watching. So you got to hack it. And then you got to give it to corrupt generals that are going to crunch it so they can figure out who the weasel is. And they did. They did. Found out who the real patriots are to funnel them out. They did. Again, sit down. Look at it from, you know, look at it from the moon. Stand on the moon and watch this. Now, I'm going to show you a video and I want you to pay attention to what is going on here. So as you know, President Trump had his Taliban agreement in 2020. They interviewed our envoy, which is, by the way, the same guy, the same guy still until today. He's the U.S. peace envoy. And um, I want you to listen to the beginning of this hearing where they're asking him questions. What a loser. He's not even wearing his mask properly, partially through this video. Hold on. Let's get there. Look at all these losers. It should help limit echoes or other disruptions. And in instances in which members yell back or otherwise conclude their turn speaking, but do not remember to remute themselves, the host will do so to limit inadvertent background audio. But these challenges on human rights 
and the constitutional order are not problems that can be solved by the U.S. I just want to point out that Meeks is not wearing his mask properly. Military. These are challenges that are best addressed by diplomatic and development professionals. Earlier this month, we were reminded of this fact when on May 8th, terrorists bombed a school just as the girls studying there were leaving for the day, killing more than 50 people. Notably, the Taliban publicly condemned this attack. His mask is now But it is a guard. reminder of that regular threat Afghans, that Afghans live under, whether or not American troops remain on the ground. So I want to make sure that everyone knows I'm clear-eyed about the challenges and the many open questions that remain for me and many Congress on both sides of the aisle about what the withdrawal means for the intra-Afghan peace process, for the rights of women and girls and minorities, and for ensuring for our counterterrorism interests. Again, let's just think about it for a second. I'm not saying that we shouldn't advocate for the rights of women and children. Please do not take it as such. I want you to pay attention to what they did in May of this year. They had a discussion about Afghanistan in May of this year, right? And I know all of you are very distracted because he's breaking the rule. He's got saliva all over his damn mask and it's falling off his face. It's like a chin guard. But pay attention to what he's saying. Kind of sounds like secret meeting, guy gets killed, rah, rah, rah. And it just so, so happened as the Maricopa County elections are coming out, these group of physicians back these soldiers to sue the Department of Defense for enforcing uh, experimental vaccines, right? This is happening. There's Dominion lawsuits, fraud is being exposed across the nation like I said it would almost a day after the elections. I said every 50 fucking states. All of that is happening right now while you are getting emails, letters, notes, phone calls telling you how you need to comply. So weird. We're just going to take a little break, a little bit of music before we get back and listen to this chin guarded Mickey guy. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do ya? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, then the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Her bathing on the roof, her beauty 
hallelujah. Well, she tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew a hallelujah. 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 I've seen this room and I walk these floors. I used to live alone before I knew ya. And I've seen your flag on the marble arch, but love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. so blessed to have been smiled upon today because this was supposed to go as sideways as possible. So as we said, here we are, August 19th, one of their favorite days. They love their numbers. And I have to say happy birthday to a few people. I know some people personally are having their birthdays. Um, and I saw someone on Facebook, on Facebook, on Telegram who said it's their birthday. Well, you know, if you think the devil's not real, oh man, you're in for a real shocker soon. Oh, <laughs> I don't care what religion you are, <laughs> you know, that is very, very real. It is very, very real. And we were smiled upon because it was supposed to go a million ways sideways, million ways sideways today. So obviously I helped with a little bit distraction while exposing some things, um, which obviously, you know, again, credit, nobody gives a shit. Uh, you know, she was taking credit for what the soldiers did that may have been inspired by all of you, which is amazing. It doesn't matter. And so she was like, we did. No, you didn't. Maybe she misphrased it, but regardless, it's very important you watch things because they put a lot of fake news that their peddling is real and it's not. And, you know, she may be Dr. Jane Ruby in psychology and education, but I actually went to laboratories. I parse things. I know how to clone a human being. I know actual molecular and cellular physiology. And I did my bouts in hematology and histology. And I could tell you, it's a crock of shit, most of the stuff they're putting out to you. I'm telling it that you now. I'm telling that you, telling, I, I can't believe how many times, I mean, I put it there, fake, fake. Because the one thing that you need to see is that demons flock. 
I like to call it circle jigging, you know, making it a little bit more mm, non so attacky, a little bit more fun, but it's not. Demons run in packs and they've got a source where they bang off from. And if you could see all the demons, go to one place, go to one place, and that is where they sequester them and then release them. And suddenly they get all this fancy equipment, fancy everything. And you're like, what happened? I'm still stuck at my desk. I mean, for a couple of years, my desk was uh, right, right on my bed. Right now it's flanking it. It's not like at the feet of it. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm so confused as to how these people buy themselves buses and trucks and everything. And I'm like, shit, I think I'm funny. I think I have good, like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I'm just, God. I said, stop. I got to stop. I know what I'm doing wrong. I haven't been flocked. Taken into that machine in Austin, tapped, funded, and released. So, again, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Patrick Berge will tell you, he came when I had arranged my bedroom in a way. And it was like, the minute you get at the edge of my bed, you're, like, sitting at my desk. So, and I'm just like, and these people have fancy studios. Like, what? I thought you started this shit in your basement. Are you like what Jim Poulos, who supposedly created Dominion Enterprises and then in 2018 sold it to investors? Like what kind of investors? Because your lawyer's a former FBI director. What kind of investors? An FBI di- an FBI guy that Ray fired right after Dominion was purchased in 2018, obviously because they were preparing for the elections in 2020. Can anybody say now you see me, now you don't? See, sometimes if you see how things work, it makes sense. It looks so amazing. But then you're just like, wait a minute, that was it? I'm going to see if I can have the, um, I'm going to show you a scene from this movie quickly before we get to it. So you can just see how operations really occur and how they do it. So I want you guys to pay attention. This movie is incredible because it kind of tells you what you're seeing now. So here's the movie. Right. Let's go. Arthur Tressler and the MGM Grand proudly present the Four Horsemen. <laughs> Thank you. Tonight we would like to try something that will, well, set us a bit apart. For our final trick, we're going to do something never before seen on a Las Vegas stage, or any stage for that matter. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, we are going to rob a bank. That's a lot of excitement for a crime. I'm getting excited. What about you, people? One, two, three. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, there's absolutely no recording allowed during the performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, of course. Let me just put this away. Actually, I need to take that. After the show, I can come and give it back to you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's me. Now, please, please settle down. Now, now, who here has a bank they would like us to rob? 
the right year. Okay, uh, that's, that's a lot of people with the vendetta. So we'll choose one at random then. My, my associates will make sure it's random, right? Elvis, help me out, bud. In Jack's bowl are ping pong balls with section numbers. Jack, can you hand me a section number? Thank you. We are looking at section B. Where is section B? Okay, there. It's going to be one of you guys. Get ready. All right, I don't know why everybody's happy. It's, it's only them. Merritt, can I get a row, please? Thank you, Merritt. We are looking at row number five. Where is that? And uh, Henley, can I please have a random seat number? Ah, oh, lucky number 13. B513, where are you? Sir, please stand up. Ah, there you are. Hi. And could you just confirm for me that this is, in fact, your seat? B513? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Now, could you please tell us your name and the name of your bank? Well, my name is uh, Etienne Forcier, and my bank is uh, Crédit Républicain de Paris. French, okay. Uh, we were hoping for something a little more local, a kind of mom-and-pop credit union with no security, but that's fine. Uh, All right, so let me just pause it for a second. So as you saw, they're putting on a show. They're going to rob a bank, and everyone's really happy about this crime that's about to committed in front of everyone. And they ran randomly picked this guy. Kind of like my judge was randomly picked. A promise is a promise. Could you please come up to the stage? We'll, uh, we'll rob your bank. And, and while he does that, um, there is someone here tonight without whom we would just be four magicians working the circuit, trying to get, well, actually trying to get here. You probably know this man, if not from one of the many, many companies he puts his name on. He is our friend. He is our benefactor, Mr. Arthur Tressler. Please stand up, Arthur. Please stand up. The only man here with the Queen's cell phone number. <laughs> Next, please stay standing, Art. Um, I want to say that when we came to Mr. Tressler, we promised that as a unit, we could become the biggest name in magic. So we wanted to say thank you. And by the way, Art, you notice on the sign out front, we made sure we put your name on top. If you turn out to be as good as you think you are, dear girl, that won't be necessary much longer. We haven't done our closer yet. Why don't you watch it and then you can decide for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, Arthur Tressler. Thank you. And of course, once again, the Cardinal of Clairvoyance, Merritt McKinney. Etienne, uh, what Jack is bringing to the stage now is what we in the magic world call a teleportation helmet. You will need to wear this as it will allow you to literally fold through space and time to your bank in the 8th? Night yeah. arrondissement. Now, uh, once you are there, we will be able to speak with you through this helmet. Now, it, oh, oh, oh my God, that's beautiful. It has the added attraction of being very stylish. It's about time the French learned from America on that subject. Is that a Thank beautiful you. piece of headgear? Thank you. It is. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this guy is in a huge audience, right? Gets approached by the hypnotherapist. And then given this contraption to wear on his head that has a camera and a microphone and told that he's, it's a helmet that he needs for teleportation. So he's in front of, as you can see, tens of thousands of people with some Ed McMahon guy in the middle. Let's not get into the debate about publishing Clearinghouse. That's like another Mandela effect thing right there. But he's sitting there and, you know, he's in awe. He's like, all right, you're going to rob my French bank in France. Okay, whatever. So here's where their show starts. I mean, I would pay to see a show like this. Maybe. But before you go anywhere, could you please pick a card, any card? Not that card. Oh. No, that's okay. That's uh, an old American joke. You can take that one. Okay. There you go. Now, show it to your friends in section B there, but, but not to us. 
Okay, great. Now, if you could just sign your name yes. there uh, in English, if possible. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Put it in your pocket. And now for one tiny detail. Now, Etienne, let's step into this cockamamie contraption. I'll step off of it. Bon chance. It's 11.50 p.m. here in Vegas. That's 8.50 a.m. in Paris. Your bank opens in less than 10 minutes. One, two, three. What the fuck? Wow. So the guy disappears, and it looks like he's been squished like a pancake, right? So he steps in there. They tell him it's about 8.50 a.m. In, uh, in France. And off you go into this, you know, teleportation device and we're zapping you into your bank. And they're all pretending to be shot. Oh, man, we didn't expect that. We didn't expect the Taliban to come up, you know, like that. Oh, no, we didn't expect the guy to pull up and try to attract patriots. No, no, I, we didn't expect that. That's crazy. Etienne. That wasn't supposed to happen like that, was it? Etienne. I like that little French guy. Where'd he go? Wait, there he is. No, 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 please, please, please. This is Daniel Atlas, can you hear me? Etienne, are you okay? Yes. Perfect. What, what do you see in there? Money. Is this real? Yes, looks like three million or so euros worth. <laughs> okay, now, now, now here's what we're going to need you to do. I want you to take the card that you signed out of your pocket, and I want you to take the ticket stub from tonight's show, and I want you to put it right there in the middle of the money. Now, drop it. All right, so now everyone is heading to the bank in France in the morning. Let me fast forward. And then they're swirling on this money. This guy's losing his mind. You know, did they just teleport me into a bank with millions of euros? This is nuts, right? And then all this money comes showering down to the crowd. And you're like, what is going on here? This is like the greatest show on earth. And then the bank people turn up to the bank and they're just like, you know, hold on. Here's the scene where they walk in and they're just like, all the money's gone, right? Money's gone. The bank's like, the money's gone. I, I don't know if it's in this clip. So that's basically what happened. Remember what I talked about in the beginning of the show today? About your attention, right? If they can distract you to a few things here and there and everywhere, you suddenly lose focus. You can't focus. You're here, you're there. So it was important that I had people focus on a few things while exposing other things. So you were exposed to fake news, but that fake news was also taking credit to something super amazing that I know all of you are sending out letters anyway. Lawsuit is not a letter. They filed a lawsuit. You guys better be sending those letters for support, right? So let's talk about distraction again now. There's a network of brain regions that directs this metaphorical spotlight of spatial attention. Within this network, there's uh, what we refer to as neural oscillations. And so basically, uh, it's, it's like a sine wave, right? There are peaks and there are troughs. 
and you can conceptualize these sine waves in your brain or these, you know, it's just, it's just a wave, right? The peaks of that are like high excitability states. That means that the neurons are, are really ready to fire. And so if a visual stimulus happens to occur at that peak when the neurons are ready to fire, you're more likely to detect that visual stimulus. And if it happens instead at a trough where the neurons are less ready to fire, you're more likely to miss that stimulus. The study shows for the first time that our brains are constantly alternating between two different states. One that is associated with focus and one that's associated with distractibility. Through our evolution, again, you could see how this could be, could be to our advantage, right, in a survival mode where you're, you're out foraging, there might be a predator and you don't want to miss that predator because you're overly focused on the task at hand. But in a modern office environment, those distractions aren't critical to your survival. They're just keeping you from being able to focus on something you need to do. And so something that helped us through evolution could be hurting us in another context. In both our work and personal lives, various technologies are vying for our attention. And the current pandemic has only made this more apparent. Right? People forget to turn off their Zoom cameras when they pull the lotion out to masturbate. You know, uh, they forget that people are monitoring federal Zoom calls and maybe other calls. Right? Then you hear things like, oh my gosh, the attorney general went after her for a whole 300 fucking dollars and took the whole power of the state and violated her rights. Totally makes sense. Who's dumb now? So it's all about distractions and instantaneous gratification. So look, you're confused. I think I made that clear. I was trying to make it clear when I was having my conversation with Patrick Byrne. The people cannot just focus on the elections. They can't just focus on that because they have children, grandchildren, and jobs. And they are terrified of having to be forced to get this vaccine. And is the vaccine as deadly? Is it not? I mean, there's videos of Kamala Harris and Biden saying, no, there should be choice. I wouldn't trust that. Who would trust that? And now they're putting the boot on your face. You're like, wait a minute, what happened? You suddenly got sworn in and you became freaking Hitler uh, when before you were like, we're not going to take it. Right. So distractions. So these past 48 hours were complete distractions on everything. They want you focused on absolutely nothing when you should be focused on the stuff that we are getting done. The most important thing today that happened that everyone was supposed to focus on is the lawsuit that these soldiers filed against the DOD and how your guardians of your state will be releasing those letters in support, telling them you have not been elected. You are violating the rights of our soldiers. We will hold you accountable. Those letters all of us will send out to whatever commanders we have. The, the Guardians created a list for it. Uh, it'll be edited for your yourself. All you put is your name. And then there's like this portion where you remind them of their oath. And if you've taken the oath, you tell them I took that oath. And my mother and father and grandfather and cousin and uncle took that oath. My husband, my kids. And it is a serious oath. And if you can't uphold it, we will make sure you will pay because what you are doing is treasonous. Just a letter of support. See, this is why I held those letters. It wasn't just because other people 
oh, it wasn't because of that. And if anyone thinks that I would ever be so petty, then you obviously haven't understood who I am, right? Because we were supposed to send them out on Wednesday, and then that lawsuit was filed, right? And we held it because we were going to release that letter afterwards to support them. This is how we work. So if anyone thought that me being so rah-rah was... um because I was upset that they took what you did. I was that she took credit and started saying, do this, do that. And I, and I see things that I can't talk about because that would be a crime. Like, what do you want me to do? Post personal emails and chats and then have to answer questions. Like, stop. Don't be daft. I ask those questions because people know what I'm saying. So if anyone thought that it's like, stop. You obviously have no idea what I'm about because um, I've taken a shit ton of attacks to even be put in that box. Okay. It helped me though, expose some really bad fear porn that's coming. And, you know, it, it, it was a good opportunity. Okay. It was a very good opportunity. Very good opportunity. So again, we're going to bolster their, uh, the support with those letters. This is why we really held them. Obviously, there's something else going in the background that I can't talk about. And when I tell you the devil is real, the devil is watching everything we do. Every single thing. Whether you're in, on your toilet, cooking, talking, in Telegram, the devil is there. Demons are real. They can't stand good. And it all had to be like this. I mean, I know with the people that I've worked with over so many years, you know, <laughs> even when I went a little bit pear-shaped, the older ones, you know, spanked me back into position per se, but I never listened until I found my way back, right? If anyone's been intimate with the devil, it's me. So I can tell you for a fact, He's the weakest one of all. And if you guys put your faith in him, then you'll be able to see how these tricks are pulled. pulled. So we just saw a heist, right? You saw this heist. Well, let's see how this heist was actually pulled off. Step by step. Other great magicians. Why did you stop? You know how many people went to see magic performed live in the last half decade? About a million six. You know how many DVDs I sold in the same period? Five million. All oh, right. So it's about the money. Well, the money is only there because the need to know is greater than the desire to be fooled. Like you, I detest those who prey upon the gullibility of the masses. With all due respect, isn't there a cost, though, to this game? Cost? Don't know. Careers. Lives. I assume you're referring to Lionel Shrike. I'm sorry, uh, who? Lionel Shrike. A middling magician who drowned in the Hudson River 30 years ago. On Mr. Bradley's first special, he revealed all of Shrike's tricks. The next year, Shrike tried to stage a comeback. He was shackled inside a safe and dropped into the river, but he never resurfaced. Oh, you mean he, he died? I didn't kill him. He killed himself, trying to do something he wasn't prepared to handle. You do realize this is a game. Oh, believe me, it's not a game. It is a game. 
You're the game. You're being played. And your pathetic attempts at fawning to gain my trust. I mean, come on. Uh, I actually had this conversation. You got me. If you really want to know how a bank in Paris was robbed from a stage in Las Vegas, my special comes out next month. Or I could just bring you in on obstruction charges and force you to tell me, unless, of course, what you're trying to say to me is that you actually don't know how they did it. Showmanship and theatrics. When a magician waves his hand and says, this is where the magic is happening, the real trick is happening somewhere else. Misdirection, a basic concept of magic. Not interested in the concepts of magic. I want to know how they robbed the bank. You're an idiot if you think they robbed the bank. But don't take my word for it. How about a trip to Paris? Hermia, the teleportation helmet, please, darling. You're joking, right? You want to know how they did it or not? Put this on your head. Step right up. There you go. Now we just pull this down, all safe and snug. Make yourself comfortable. There we go. And when you're ready to go to Paris, just say the magic word. Blow me. That'll suffice. Au voyage. Bonjour. I personally prefer to take the stairs to Paris. Welcome to the City of Light, Agent Rhodes. Hardy har har. What was at the helmet? My fun. <laughs> what? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> so they got a vault set. Yes. And it's the exact replica of the little French guy's bank. So he's a plant. He was a dupe, not a plant. They chose him. They knew which seat he was in. No, no, no. The audience picked the seat. Unless, of course, the audience didn't pick the seat. They let them think they picked the seat. We'll choose one at random, then. Jack Actually, they were just palming the ball with the seat number they wanted. We are looking at row number five. Henley, can I please have a seat number? Lucky number 13. And could you just confirm that this is, in fact, your seat? He was selected. They programmed his mind to make him go to Las Vegas. And then they kept reinforcing it until he did. They trailed him. They studied him. Nothing was left to chance. So as you saw, what did they do? They were whispering words like, you want to go to Vegas? Throwing around Vegas chips in his face. PsyOps 101, you guys. You know, and this is how you put the person in the place you want. But, you know, in reality, okay, this is a movie where they were trying to pull off some heist, right? This is how PsyOps work. It's not that fancy. It's quite simple. You use the same tools. So if the bad people are using psyops to mess with your mind, don't you think that the good guys are maybe doing the same kind of whispers and stuff? And I mean, whose idea was it to hold a hearing on Afghanistan about women and children and, you know, even Ilhan Omar's coming up against the tragedies of everything. I mean, the Trump one stickers. What have we said? When you see what 120 million means, Remember that. You'll see. So um, what you will realize now, sitting back and taking in today, you'll see, damn, 
There was a bomber, not a big deal about it, totally fake. Use some profile here, really was that guy. That guy died from something else, had surgeries and scars on his faces. This dude was there. It totally went bunk and sideways. Nobody bought it, right? Then New York City, burning cars on bridges in California. People were like, are you kidding me? Come on. And the minute everyone's like false flag and started putting hats on him. And the guy was like, come on, Patriots, come on. You know what they were doing? They were monitoring every freaking chat every sick single dm to see who they can target so that they can use you to start the riots it was all about that but god was merciful and quashed that as soon as possible because really facebook let that thing run for 30 minutes stop shut the fuck up stop 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 and then there's dollar bills but no dollar bills i mean come on it was the worst thing ever. And yet I was listening to this guy and I'm like, boy, I'm feeling for him. Boy, he's a good actor. His twang was off. You know, it's not him. And if you put side by side pictures, it was totally awesome. So when you go through all of it with the right eyes of knowing that there's a veil that you need to pierce in order to understand how the heist is happening, the heist of your mind is happening, then it's done. But so many years, decades and decades of you being psychologically mind-fucked left and right from be a consumer to be politically correct. You know, a lot of people get upset that I swear, right? And there is research that says, actually... I have an audio clip for that. Hold on. I'll play it for my phone because I was very pleased to see that someone actually cited that aside from me because I think I'm the only one that cites that stuff. Um, uh, whoa, where is it? Oh, don't tell me I don't have it. Damn it, I don't have it, do I? But um, there's actually uh, that people that swear are more intelligent. Listen, I swear out of frustration, not because you know, I think I'm more intelligent. Okay. Let's get that straight. Um, I don't like it when I swear this needs to stop doing this. Okay. It's on TikTok, So I'm going to find it. I'm definitely going to find it. I know that I think I sent it to someone. I thought I sent it to my daughter. Yes, I did. Here we go. Here we go. Take a listen to this. I'm almost certain that you did this just so you could get a response video, but Bucket. Fun fact. Research has shown that individuals who use excessive profanity are actually of higher intelligence. They speak more fluidly. They speak with an openness and an honesty. Research has also shown that profanity can relieve stress. It can form a bond or a camaraderie amongst you and your peers. And it can boost the adrenaline in your body, which in turn boosts your pain tolerance. It literally makes you fucking tougher fucking cool right so there was a second thing i just can't quite put my finger on but maybe i'll think of it later adhd brain so have a great fucking day that was an awesome response to someone saying why do you keep cussing and you know this cussing thing uh is is you know when you can cuss and when you can't i mean Let's stop, right? I'm not going to sit there in church and start dropping F-bombs. Um, and when the uh, conversation doesn't warrant transparency, you're going to hear me talking with O's and A's and dotted I's and cross T's, okay? 
Let's just keep it that way. If you're expressing your train of thought and how you feel and how you explain things, then, you know, you are able to use whatever words you want to express that correctly. Anything else is suppression. Oh, you can't say that. That's like, that's, that's a microaggression. We can't say amen. We have to say amen or a women. What? See, it's all about suppressing who is inside or what you want to say. I mean, what does the word fuck mean anyway? Anyway, let me not get into that's a conversation for another time. So here we are. You're getting to see the great reveal, right? You're understanding what a psyop is. I've been talking about it for years. And you're seeing how they psyop this guy in France to want to go to Las Vegas, who then they selected. I got his measurements. He had no idea he was their target. And they simply activated him in Vegas. And once again, it's Merritt McKinney. But how do they know what bank was his? You're kidding. Really? Can you be any more of a condescending ass? Yes. <laughs> like this. That was a very rare, very mysterious way in which a magician divines an audience member's bank. You ready? Yes. Credit card. And that's how they got the signature for the card. They left in the vault in Paris. Very good. You're being one up, Agent Rhodes. Okay, but they had to get the signature card in the vault. You said they didn't steal the money. No, I didn't say they didn't steal the money. I said they didn't rob the bank. My guess is that they targeted a shipment of freshly minted money headed to the Frenchman's bank on board an armored truck. Which, of course, is just as hard to break into unless you're already inside. So they didn't rob a bank, but they robbed the place that had all the money and you can't get into it. But you're if you're already inside, you could bust it wide open from the inside. Sounds familiar. And despite what the bank would have you believe, mm -hmm. the men who drive these trucks are not exactly mental giants. For our horsemen, it was almost too easy. Hey, boys. So how did they make the fake money disappear from the vault? What is that? Flash paper. Magicians use it all the time. Creates no smoke, leaves no residue. Oh, Mount. Two days ago, no one heard of these guys. But Flash paper, no residue, and then this guy's card is in there that they left in advance because they knew that he was going to pick the number two and he was going to sign it. But the key here is how to create an asset without their knowledge, right? So it was kind of like I told you, old school stuff, leave fake ass articles out, magazines, drop words, play certain music 
or peruse a website around them. Little subliminal things. I don't know, freaking stickers, for example, right? Which uh, now are trending. Other people are putting stickers on gas things when it, and it says I did that with Biden that I saw on TikTok. This is how you tell the world and you let the world see that Trump won. Sticker brigade. They tried that stuff in Moscow when they wanted to be free before the Cold War and before the U.S. got involved, when the people were actually pissed off that they were hungry. So these ideas aren't new. There are ways that you can literally get your voice heard and people say, you know what, the media Pravda, has done a shitty job of convincing us that we're all happy and stuff and ballerinas because uh, I see stickers everywhere and I believe that the election was stolen. They all know it was stolen, but now you're making it clear, you know, because it's subliminally there. So that little, and, and you know what, these subliminal messages don't exist unless you are thinking about it yourself. Okay. So like that French guy, super dope. He's into hot women, super target. Hey, French man, what about Vegas and super awesome show? And here's some chips. And next thing you know, that's what's up. Uh, it's a, it's a bigger thing, but Pravda was propaganda. But the key here is how you create an asset without their knowledge. Again, Someone did what we did. We took advantage of the opportunity that they had parked their damn trunk by the Library of Congress, right? And someone actually found documentation of all these vaccines, the whole playbook going again, the whole you're not allowed to give to the military thing, because if you look at history, it tells you everything you need to know. But in there they found in phase one, often called the period of contention, the passive defensive or the period of preparation and organization, the insurgents lay the political, socioeconomic and psychological groundwork for later, more militant stages. The insurgents develop their political organization and secure weapons. Propaganda is spread among the people. Sympathizers are enlisted to provide supplies, recruits and information throughout the coming of the campaign. Remember, they planned this shit. So they had all the framework in. <laughs> I mean, I'm the anomaly, of course, outside of everybody's purview. Tons of little Tories somewhere. Propaganda is spread among the people and everyone throughout this campaign has been tapped. As the insurgents gain control of certain areas, the population is increasingly controlled by covert parallel hierarchies, which include, one, committees and cells extending from the elementary local cell to the highest national level, the Central Committee, DNC, RNC, anything, anyone? These parallel, the organs of the legal, legal government usurping its powers and thwarting its operations. Cells established and agents infiltrated within every organized group of society to be destroyed. For example, the military, labor unions, trade associations, youth and student movements, sports associations, veteran societies, religious sects, and political organizations. The ultimate goal is the organization and participation of the entire population in these regional or functional groups, which also are paralleled by the previously mentioned party cells and committee. Four, two, one, stuck in a loop. So how did they create all these disgusting 
right wing pretend to be your friend assets without their knowledge. Because see, they came into a grassroots CNN told you best. Every grassroots movement starts grassroots. I mean, the roads to hell are paved with good intentions. But then it's like, oh, look, you have a little bit of following. People listen to you. Let me send you this guy. Hey, will you start working with him in that area of media? Sure. Maybe you can mention he might want to talk to this person. And then Q, handler comes in. Oh, my handler's an expert. Let me tell you. And suddenly that handler makes the facilitating introduction to the top national committees like Infowars. Do you see how that goes? So this is how you've just created a shit ton of assets laced with money because they all have insiders. <laughs> I don't know how inside they are. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know how inside they are. <laughs> insiders. You can't have a fucking insider and not be attacked by the deep state. Stop. Mention any person that's doing any freaking change, right? <laughs> Make any, pick anyone, anyone. General Flynn, targeted. Patrick Byrne, targeted. Pick anyone that's done change. All of them have had lawfare. They've been fucked. Look at what they did to Lindell. That was an insane operation. Insane operation. And then you have the idiot farms, like the, the, the Hasburger you know, jihadis like Ali Akbar. Guys, I've never said it so clearly because I didn't want to point it out and call people stupid, but I have to. There's over 5,000 pages in my case. That stolen valor shit, I'm actually thinking of filing a lawsuit to sue the shit out of Dr. Jane Ruby for saying it. Because she has a shit ton of money and it would help me fund my lawsuits. <laughs> because that's libel. Because... None of the mainstream media said that because that would have been illegal because in a court of law, they said that's bunk. That's not even hers. Why are you putting it in there? It was manufactured. Right. So in a court of law, they said that bullshit page wasn't even mine. Right. The mainstream media that wanted to hang me by my toes. Right. Didn't publish that shit. But that bitch said it. And we've got screenshots. Thanks to you. Why do I say this? Listen to what he's telling you, that I had stolen valor with a document that they claimed. He claimed that he went and got my DD-214, which is, by the way, all of you that are veterans would be, what with what right do you go? So he didn't get shit, right? He was told I served, and he got a fucking redacted thing. So he went down there and ate crow because I had, I had sworn my oath and did whatever I did for my country. But he used this fake-ass page from this fake-ass other jihadi person, again, originating from Austin, Texas, right? Who suddenly came up with this page. Even the attorney general just threw it in the lawsuit. And the judge was like, what the fuck is this? Like, all of it debunked. And I was, think about it. A whole state went up my ass, crawled up in there, pulled my financial, medical, health, anything that any company would violate my right without telling me, by the way, they were advised, you can't tell her, right? And found nothing 
But they found because they had my bank accounts that the account that I was getting ticket money in, which wasn't anybody's but mine, so I could do whatever the fuck I want with it, had I had spent like what 300 bucks. So all of that for $300. Okay. Tell me in what universe does that fucking make sense for $300. You could write a bad check. You could walk out of a store with $300 and you will not be put through three years of fucking lawfare. So again, who's stupid now? Oh, she got $25,000. No, that's his fees. So the judges not only fucked all my rights, but they gave him the right to sue me for his fees, $25,000. I mean, if I was a citizen in North Dakota, I'd be like, yo, you had 18 attorney generals on her. I want to know how much that shit cost me. Bring it. So he spent millions of dollars investigating my ass for $300. Who's stupid now for believing that shit? Right? So this is where it comes down to. <laughs> this is where, fucking, and not only that, today I posted you guys a damn email from the chief of police, which now I figured out what gave them my ID too. And they were really pissed is because there was a case where they were pimping an infant back in 2016 and 2015. And 20, it was a big ring from 2013 to 2016. Uh, their U.S. Marshal got busted. Their deputy U.S. Marshal got busted. They were pimping out sex with a six-month-old baby, and there were Air Force officers that were involved. And I was asking questions as to, you know, hey, I heard that someone got shot and body cam footage was deleted, and then this guy resigned. He's kind of young, and what happened to the canine? And um, by the way, what happened to that case? They got arrested for pimping a six-month-old baby for sex and driving it to another city, but the case just suddenly disappeared from the city. What happened? And so I asked these questions, and the chief of police is like, if you have any contact with her, let me know. So when all, when all, when anybody comes to me with bullshit and, and I don't mean to sound cocky. I've had so much come at me. You guys have no idea. I am as full of steel to anything there is. I have been put through the ringer and I came out shiny and new. So yeah, North Dakota would be great. <laughs> oh my God. That would be awesome. If I had a billboard there, they'd shriek, but <laughs> they wouldn't be pulling their hair. But I'm, I'm trying to explain to you, this isn't a joke. The person that actually um, gave me those, those emails, the minute that person received them, they got a knock on the door from the police asking them about some alleged robbery from 11 years ago, which they came back clean, but they were like, from 11 years ago, they come to check our, you know, thing. I mean, we had the paperwork and everything, but that was really coincidental considering I had all that police, you know, email stuff and everything. So when I tell you I've had big people, I don't fight losers, right? Ali Akbar will be visiting back for what he did for January 6th. He's not, there's no fucking deals. I will make sure of that. Alex Jones, no fucking deals. All of them will burn for this. But I will go out after people like Dr. Jane Ruby, who for some reason people have put up on a pedestal that peddles good information and shit information only because she said that. Only because she said that. The media didn't say it, right? Only Ali Akbar said it. And the judge said it was wrong. So maybe I should sue Red Voice Media since she's part of that and see what they say about it. Because I want a big fat ass retraction 
fat ass. I want her to eat fucking crow. I want that shit everywhere, like an advertisement at every fucking show that says, I slandered Tori. She is not this. Maybe then I won't sue her. Maybe then I won't sue her. So anyway, I'm upset about that. So having said that, circling back, <laughs> today has been insane. <clears throat> we had bomb threats, a fake ass <laughs> sting at our Library of Congress, no other. Uh, <laughs> but we had some amazing wins too, didn't we? The amazing win is that we had a bunch of soldiers get inspired to stand up for themselves and sue the Department of Defense. That takes balls, right? And this is why we held those and we're going to release them. So it's going to be fun. It's going to get super duper fun. I don't want you guys to um, worry about things. I know a lot of you, well, my work said, then let them fire you. Who told you that a long, long time ago? I did. Nobody has a right to fire you because you don't take an experimental vaccine. Nobody has to, uh, has any right to fire you, even if it's get, uh, uh, an approved vaccine. They can't force you to put shit in your body, period. That is discrimination, period. So if they tell you, if they tell you, have that shit recorded. I told my daughter, if it comes to it, and they tell you you're getting a dishonorable discharge. Don't worry. And she said, Mom, do you know how hard it is to get a job being intelligence and getting dishonorably discharged? I'll never work anywhere. And it's like, it's okay. I'll work my ass off for you. Because we don't have to give in. We do not bend the knee. Nobody tells us anything. We are free people. We are not going to be a stat for them. We are not going to allow them to tell us what we can or cannot do with our own bodies. And it's happening across the nation. So, you know, think of it this way. My story. I got screwed royally. My money was stolen by my ex. I had the devil in my head. Like, you guys have no idea what I've been through. But one thing I did was have faith in God. I fear nothing, absolutely nothing, because I know how weak the devil is. And I promise you, I promise you, if you have faith, not, yeah, I kind of have faith. I read the Bible and stuff, and I know my, my things, and I don't curse, and I'm very good. No. no, you have to know it in your heart that you have $1 in your pocket, and tomorrow you'll be able to eat and pay your bills it will happen. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. Look at, look at how much dirt they've thrown in my face. The more the devil smacks you to put you down, the more he will lift you up to heights that you've never seen before. I tell you, it's not about being a good Christian and saying, oh, but I'm a good Christian. No. Be a good human being. That's all you need to do. Be a good human being because your God is so freaking awesome. And anyone that says, well, you know, I don't know how God's going to do this. I have kids and we're going to have to. And I was like, then your God's not awesome enough because our God is so awesome that he will give you the strength to carry. You will not be burning with a cross you can't carry. You should know that. That's rules 101, right? Karma 101, rules 101. So remember that. There is no cross that you will bear. 
that you cannot carry. And I've said this before. You could search it. Damn, I think God thinks I'm Atlas. Seriously. Because uh, all my friends are gone. <laughs> all my friends are gone. I don't know if all of them are. I mean, apparently they are. So I have friends, though. I have people that are working at it in a more above ground way uh, recently and for a while. And I have faith in them. I have faith that every God soldier, every soldier of God, every God soldier, every soldier of God is there. And that's you too. I mean, look at what you guys have done with your attorney generals, right? And just, just look at it. It's incredible. And don't let anyone tell you any different. It is absolutely incredible. And if, and if my tribulations that I've been through huh, aren't enough to show that I'm still standing, then I don't know what is. You know, I don't know what is. Um, I really don't. Have faith. Faith is free. Faith doesn't cost anything. Faith is knowing that tomorrow it's going to be super awesome because you said so, right? And it's all about the frequency and how you resonate on that. Remember that. I mean, it's kind of like tuning in the radio, right? Or like nagging. If you're nagging, you know, when your man's driving or whatever and you nag, you know, he's going to tune out. But if you're not nagging and you're grateful for all the things you have and you're just like, yeah, you're totally going to give me big fat steak, which I totally want, but it's so late and I missed eating today. I totally did that, didn't I? I just thought about it. So these are, this is what happens when you pull up music and then a big fat steak picture comes up on their ads and you're like, yeah, that looks good. Um, but if you, if you believe it, it will be there. Mountains crumble before him right? All you need is the faith of the size of a mustard seed, that tiny, and you can move anything. But faith is not saying you have faith. Faith isn't holding up a Bible. Faith is knowing that when you can't see, you're walking right where you should be. Faith is when, you know, yeah, you just, that's it. You just have to have faith. And you'll see how everything makes sense. Hopefully today, taking you on this ride, now you see me, now you don't, you're kind of getting the picture of what's really going on. Just from a perspective, from the moon looking down, how things are actually going on and how we avoided a really big disaster today. I mean, the media really wanted it pumped up. There were just a few idiots on YouTube, but I think most of them were actually plants watching, right? I screenshot all of that. <laughs> Just screenshot all of it. And then I I think we stumbled upon a federal chan, a channer, that's a Fed agent, talking talking to each other with steganographic ways via videos. So weird. So weird. That's a story for another time. Now, tomorrow, I know I want to do... My show on that thing I want to show you that you've never heard of in Africa. So I'm hoping I can get that together if more surprises don't come along. Uh, so on that note, God bless. We'll be raiding on Twitch right now. We'll see who will raid. 
and I will see you tomorrow, 7.30, not 7, um, 7.30 to 9.30. See you then. army couldn't hold me back they're gonna rip it up taking their time right behind my back and i'm talking to myself at night because i can't forget back and forth through my mind behind a cigarette And the message coming from my eyes says leave it alone